actual teaching and, and the lesson preparation and, and the, you know, getting everybody excited, that bit's fun. That's not the bit that burns you out. The bit that burns you out is this, I have to make you do something you don't want to do and I don't want to have to make you do it. Hey everyone, we're now 35 episodes in, which is absolute insanity, and we're joined today by the incredibly wholesome and generous Amy DeMont, who is the creator of a self-directed learning center called Celebrate Learning in Brisbane. And I actually flew up to see Amy and the center around a month ago, and we shot this right after the center had closed for the day. So kudos to Amy for being so upbeat and energetic while I basically struggled to sound coherent. So if this is the first time you're hearing about a self-directed learning centre, not to worry, Amy's just given us a brief description here. So a self-directed learning centre is where the people who come here, the members of our program, get to decide what their education looks like and what their life looks like. So they might come in and choose to participate in a particular elective that maybe they even request. Those ones, right? Yeah, like anime (laughs) Japanese, so cool. Uh, So they might request a specific elective um, or they might choose to do something else. And if you're wondering who this learning centre is actually targeted at, Amy also explains that here. We help um, high school students who aren't thriving at school. They might be bored, feel like it's irrelevant. They might be bullied. They might be anxious. And we invite them to come here, help them register as homeschoolers and they can do electives and get um, help setting goals and doing things that they're really interested in. As usual, you'll hear me add some snippets of commentary throughout the conversation. And if you're wondering, hmm, wow, Joe, you sound a lot more sultry than usual. Yes, yes, I am in fact in the middle of a cold and I am so snotty and just disgusting. Are you saying that you don't want to get with this? (laughs) But episodes come out weekly and I am committed to ready to redo. So without further ado, let's jump into it. First of all, let's just backtrack to your teaching days because we have already had a lot of conversations about this, but I would love the listeners to know as well. What were your experiences with teaching and what sort of problems did you identify during that time? So my first official teaching job was grade five. I was a general classroom teacher teaching English, math, history, everything. Um, and I just had a number of students that would groan. We had daily maths quizzes, daily spelling tests. And they're like, again, we have to do this again. I like, you know, and every math lesson I tried to, you know, play Yahtzee and make, do fun games, but there would just always be groans. Yeah. So at the end of that teaching time, I thought, okay, math and English and compulsory, you know, like boring subjects, that's the problem. I'm just going to go and I did, ran some homeschooling workshops, I ran some coding things, creative writing, and then a job came up teaching Japanese and they said, come make it fun, you know, they can watch anime and eat food and play the games and everything <laughs> and you can make it fun and it's going to be amazing. So I did that for two and a half years and it was amazing and I loved it and I think, Most, if not all of my students loved it as well. Um, But I would still have students at lunchtime um, wearing the wrong uniform or they didn't, you know, they just had a bad day at school and they just wanted to lie down and chill and they couldn't. And um, just wherever I went, there was always, I taught 350 students a week um, because I was teaching all of grade five and all of grade six. 
Um, so sure, there was only like one or two kids in each class that was really like literally banging their head on the desk being like, why do I have to be here at school? Um, but that was consistent across all of the classes. So I was like, this is not a little thing. They spread them out, but this is a common problem that there are some kids that school just isn't for them. And what happened? So they refused to do their work. So some of them would do it with groaning and complaining. Yeah. Um, Sometimes just because they liked me and they wanted to please me, not because they had any invested self-interest in actually doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, But my breaking point was when we were doing a unit on hobbies and interests (laughs) and the assessment was a listening test on someone else's hobbies and interests. And I'm I'm not okay with this. So I changed it so they could talk about their hobbies and interests and film it and show off to everybody their hobby. And I had one good boy go... (gasps) Oh, no, I don't do schoolwork. And so I just, at that moment, my heart broke. And I I thought, you have been putting up with hating this the whole way through, that now you have told yourself, I can never love learning again. And I was like, school should not do that to children. So as in, he was very much against the idea of learning, even though learning is something so pinnacle in our lives. He would have been learning through... I guess if he was playing games, he would have learned through that. He would have learned through just random Google searches that he would do in his own spare time. Yeah. But as soon as there is an assessment put on it or some sort of thing that he didn't choose, that sort of just ch- yeah, turns I mean, everything around, doesn't it? He, he was a switched-on bright kid, but he yeah. was just checked out. 11 years old, I'm done, I'm not learning. Mm. You can't make me. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to. I want you to do it for the fun of it. But, and yeah. it's so uh, it's so frustrating because I've talked to a lot of teachers as well, teachers who are either still teaching or burnt out, left the system, which I guess is your situation. I was, I was pretty Spoiler emotionally alert. like at that point, I'm like, I'm done. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I handed in my three months notice. I said, I'm, I'm not coming back next year. I don't know what I'm doing, but I can't do this anymore. And so many teachers have said, I didn't come into this to force children to like learning. That's not my job. That's not my role. I didn't come in to be that person. However, I feel like I've stepped into the position where instead of expressing my love for teaching and imparting knowledge that, you know, you want to provoke curiosity, instead of just doing the opposite. I, I just kept constantly coming back to, I didn't sign up to be a police officer and say, you need to sit in your chair over there. Don't talk to that person. Pull your socks up. Take your hat off in class. And, and that was such like a large amount of my job and pretty much all of what was tiring me out because the actual teaching and and the lesson preparation and and the, you know, getting everybody excited, that bit's fun. That's not the bit that burns you out. The bit that burns you out is this, I have to make you do something you don't want to do and I don't want to have to make you do it. Mm -hmm. So we're all burnt out. It wasn't just me that was burnt out. These kids are burnt out too. Yeah. It. (laughs) Who wins actually in this situation? No one wins. Unless if, unless if, the minority of students who actually, yeah, schooling that system as well does actually benefit them. And that's also something we'll refer to because it's not like you're anti-schooling. It's that you're just trying to find an alternative for the students who aren't thriving in school, but not dissing the system in general because it actually does help students out there. And I have so much respect for teachers who stay in the system because they have amazing hearts and amazing perseverance and you know, we'll have one-on-one conversations with students and try and get to the bottom of it and help them 
figure out a way to survive to the end. But I was just like, look, my place is not helping you survive to the end. My place is giving you a door and saying you could thrive. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And so to go on to the flip side now in terms of what Celebrate Learning is doing, there was something that I remember asking you, hey, Amy, what do you want to talk about in this interview? And you said something which was trust and choice. Yeah. Trust and choice. Those, you, you, automatic, it's as if you were just planning me to ask you that and you're like, yes, (laughs) trust. Uh, It's just so fundamental because I looked into so many different alternatives. I looked at um, Steiner, I looked at Montessori, I went and into a Montessori classroom and you have choice to choose when you do certain things, but you're not trusted to never do it at all and still be okay. You're not trusted to, I, I asked, there was a girl that was sitting and reading and I was like, oh cool, so she can just sit and read as much as she likes. Oh no, eventually she'll have to do something. As opposed to eventually she will do something else, but we're not going to make her, which is the difference between just having choice and having trust in choice. Because I so strongly believe that everybody wants to do something good with their life. Um, deep down, some people have given up on ever being able to achieve that because we think it's this thing where you have to, you know, do something good with your life and it's unattainable, but especially like young people just really want that and that might not look like what we think it will look like. It might look like spending a lot of time on the computer or only reading books or um, talking to friends all the time and just having conversations um, and learning that way. And we just need to trust that however they are going about that is going to be suit their personality and support them in that and encourage them in that and say, oh, I can see you're really interested in this. You know, what, what, how can I help? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what do you need from me? Because you know what you want. Generally, like you want to have a good life. You might not know exactly what that's going to look like, but you want to, um, do that. And I'm going to trust that when you're ready, you, you will go and do it. Like there's a lot of research out there that children will learn to read. Maybe it's seven, eight years old, but we've decided as a society we want them to be reading at four. Mm-hmm. And we've just lost trust that they can do that without us explicitly teaching it mm-hmm. or putting it on a schedule and say, by this grade they need this and this grade they need this when everybody's different. Okay, so I know this will rub some of you the wrong way, especially if this is the first time you've heard from this perspective. So if you're having the completely valid thought of, "Mm, won't students just get left behind? How will they ever learn? Don't worry, I got you. I did bring it up with Amy later on in the episode. Uh, You know, if you're not being forced to learn, then when are you going to learn it? But then if there's no force, then how are you going to learn? So that'll come up later on in the conversation, but also in last episode about labeling, I mentioned my neighbor's daughter who's only five and already has a huge aversion and hate towards writing. So if she didn't have writing forced on her and was trusted, like Amy says, to just dip her toes in first, then I honestly think for her, she'd be much better off in the long term. So it's really important to not cross that threshold where the student is just completely turned off from the topic. Keeping in mind that idea of trust and choice and letting the members of Celebrate Learning decide what they want to do, 
how do you actually structure the day? And if you're on the video version, you'll see a little <laughs> thing in the corner which says what's on. So, yeah. So, um, we, we actually started with zero structure. It was like, what do you want to do today? But, you know, kids do like structure. Um, for the majority, they just want have to have a choice in participating in that structure. Um, so we start uh, and end every day with a bit of time for one-on-one mentoring where we talk about, you know, what are your interests? What are your goals? How can we help? And then our official program kicks off nice and late in the morning for a good sleep in at 1045 um, when we do a community building icebreaker game, um, chat about the day, get get each other excited. Oh, yeah, I'm doing that. Do you want to do that with me? That kind of thing. Then we'll have electives that are based on the interests of the teens that we have here and run by enthusiastic volunteers. Uh, we have a daily quiz that's a bit more like a game show than a pop quiz. It's all team-based um, and calling out your answers. We've got lunch, more community building games. We really try and um, build those friendships and more fun electives in the afternoon. And then at the end of the day, everybody helps pack up. So we do have things that are compulsory because we think if you're going to be here, we want to provide community. You know, you could sit at home and, and do school online and and learn, but we actually want to be a community, and a community means that you are engaged and helping out. So, you know, first one in, best dress, you get the easy job of rubbing off the whiteboard. You know, if you're moping around being like, oh, why do I have to help? You're going to get a big job like vacuuming, which is actually sometimes a four-after job <laughs> um, because everybody five minutes and all the jobs are done, and then we just chat about how the day went. And from what I've observed, because I've been here now a week or so, because of the lack of force in what the students need to or have to do, and they get to choose whether to sit in on these. So, for example, today we did Japanese anime, <laughs> which is not what you would get in traditional schooling. But if they don't want to sit in on that class, they don't have to. They can just chill. And I, I was chilling with a student outside because they just didn't. They had different priorities at that time, and that's really great that you're respecting that and that they feel like they are in control of what they choose to do and not. Yeah. And in terms of the learning, though, because I guess a lot of people get very stressed out about the fact that, are they learning? Are they actually, you know, if you're not being forced to learn, then when are you going to learn it? But then if there's no force, then how are you going to learn? Yeah. So learning happens in lots of different ways. And if you don't use it on a daily life and need it uh, on a daily basis and need it for life, why are you learning it? So, okay, money. Okay, so these guys don't need to buy a house loan right now, but maybe they want to save up for a really cool computer. So let's look at that level. They can see how it's relevant to their life. They will usually say, I really want to buy a computer. And then we, as a mentor, might say, oh, do you want to do up a budget and figure out which part-time job to get to be able to afford that and how long it's going to take? So that might be maths. Um, but that is inspired by them. Um, another aspect is we have this whole, you know, if you don't teach it, when are they going to learn it? Well, when they decide that it's relevant for their life, uh, they can learn it really fast. Khan Academy, online courses, even university bridging courses, they can catch up, get tutoring, um, be like, oh, I've suddenly decided I wanted to get into a science degree. Okay, so maybe they uh, do some math tutoring, get into a TAFE program, do some part-time study, do an online course, and eventually, you know, they're back on track of this thing they suddenly decided to do because now they're 18 or 17, 16 years old, and they have the motivation, and they have the um, mature 
brain that is ready to, you know, learn those abstract concepts and they have learned what curiosity is like and motivation, self-driven motivation is like, and then they can catch up. So a major part of why we're concerned is not necessarily because we're concerned about that person's future, but because it's just been such a part of our culture for such a long time. It just feels strange not to learn from age five. So of course, all the questions of, oh, what if they never learn or what if they never catch up come up? Uh, But we realize later on when we graduate, we just forget a lot of the things that we learned in school just because it's not relevant to our lives anymore. And like Amy said, the fact that Coursera, EDX, which are both uh, big platforms that you can access courses, free courses from unis on, as well as databases like PubMed, which just has all of these different scientific articles on there, all of this is completely accessible to us. So the issue is not about not having information anymore, but it's about, are you motivated? Are you curious to solve problems? Because honestly... The future isn't about what you can recite, but what you can create and innovate. I spoke to someone today who was super excited because she's like, I, I, I got a bank account and I sold my I, my switch and I got $400. So I put half of it away, put $200 away and, and I put a hundred, I spent a hundred dollars and you know, a hundred dollars I'm doing this. And this is someone who never does math. Like mm-hmm. it's really scary concept for her. Yeah. And yet here she is excited about math in a way that you don't normally think because it's not a worksheet. Yeah, yeah. You, you mentioned money skills before, and that was the first class I actually observed in Celebrate Learning, and I was really just happy to see because everyone I've asked, what do you want to see in school? What do you wish you were taught in schools? And it was money skills or finance or just investing or something like that. And could you just explain what you actually covered in that class? Um, so last week's class, we talked about uh, world currencies and living costs around the world. And I handed a laptop out and I said, pick a country of the world. We used a comparison site, Brisbane versus Bucharest. <laughs> Bu- Bucharest in Romania. Yeah. And, and I remember that fact because I, I never knew it before. <laughs> I'm sorry, Booker. We learned that it's run by the mafia. So True. many learning things happened in that that wasn't maths. <laughs> A lot. Yeah. I was genuinely intrigued. Like, I think I asked more questions than, this, than the members there. But, uh, yeah, so you got us to compare the living costs of it. So it was super relevant, but it was also bringing in, yeah, currency conversion. They've already automatically done it as like, random Yeah, they didn't have to pull out a calculator and do the maths, Mm. but we were talking about numbers and, um, you know, when we got to the food costs and I just wanted a, an average and it gave us milk, bread, cheese, restaurants, McDonald's, all of this kind of thing. We talked about the fact that we could average them out. We didn't because we had so much other stuff to cover that everybody was interested in, but again, if, if somebody had been like, no, wait, I really want to get this figure for, you know, so we can really properly compare it all, then I would have jumped on board and said, yes, okay, you know, we're going to pause and talk about averages. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we went on so that we could get a city that everybody else was interested in. And it was a highly enthusiastic class with people sure. that usually just when you say math, they'll be like, oh, I'll see you later. I'm going down to food court. <laughs> yeah. I think you mentioned to me after uh, that lesson, because I was the one who brought up the, yeah, the averaging, yeah. and you were saying how a lot of the students who come here 
or the members who come here are so triggered by what they experienced in school that they have such an aversion to subjects that really shouldn't create such hate or dislike, but have. So I guess, how's that transitioning going between them literally hating school to at least being part of this community now? Yeah. Well, for one of the boys who was definitely... I don't know. I've had people that have been so triggered that, you know, they'll pick up a chair and throw it if you mention doing maths. Really? But, um, Here? yeah, not, oh, wow. not of the members that I have right now, oh. but last year I had, I had someone that was in that category. So we're just like, okay, you know what? We're not going to traumatize you with maths. Let's yeah. just have a happy place. Mm-hmm. Um, but one boy here who was just, you know, mostly like, meh, I don't want to do any schoolish work type things like, that's lame, that's boring, I just want to get a job, go, you know, live my life. Um, but he has been the most enthusiastic about money skills. When we had a panel come and talk about investing, he was the one with the most questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we played the online Suncorp Essie game, he spent three solid hours, beat everybody else's score, and then is like, I'm going to do this again and, like, do better. So yeah, just seeing so that... Wow, you're getting really, I can see him having a future in finance or, you know, if he goes into a different career, just doing living really well financially. If we continue to nurture that, you know, this is a good thing that's relevant to your life. This is not a completely irrelevant sit down, be quiet, do your maths worksheet about finance mm-hmm. and submit your test. Yeah. Um, because that's just going to kill his enthusiasm. I remember you, you posted that, uh, when, when he was doing the game on Facebook, on your Facebook group. And the fact that in your caption you said, when I'm, you know, a bit confused about whether this is working or something, then I see a, a member like him going through his lunch break, just yeah. just playing this maths game, yeah. which I've told some friends about it, and they just said that will never happen yeah. in a traditional it, school. It, there's, yeah. there's no way that a student will be will willingly stay back to – do something like that when they only have an hour or so to actually have their own free time. And it's not even the first time it's happened mm. that um, if if people get into something, then we just say, okay, well, maybe you opt out of this afternoon's elective and you just keep doing that because you're clearly very, very set on finishing it. Yeah. Um, and that's awesome. Just inspiring people to follow their curiosity and actually and seeing them do it together mm. what's your score what's you know like oh and the the conversations that they have at lunchtime really really interesting um sometimes they get on the weirdest topics but also just teaching each other random facts like this afternoon we had someone explaining the you know how a door frame is structured <laughs> and yeah. just when when you acknowledge that other people, including young people, have valuable information to share mm-hmm. and create an environment where they have time and space to share it, amazing things happen that you didn't even plan. Yeah. And I really love – and this is more a common thing amongst alternative schools because uh, I've seen it in, yeah, Steiner. I've seen it in Montessori, but I see it particularly here as well, which is – the fact that no one is better than anyone else in terms of the teacher doesn't adopt this position where they, you know, talk at the students and the students listen. Um, it's it's very much a communal space. You eat together, you chat together about just random things, and you get the students to teach you things. As well as one student on 
this this week will teach us about astronomy. Is that right? Yep, yep. Yeah, so a, te- a student will actually lead the class instead of the traditional uh, other role. And I really appreciate and just enjoy the fact that students get a voice. Yeah, and sometimes we have... Uh, every day at the end of the day, we have a discussion about, you know, what's something that you learned today, what's something you would change about today. And I mean, we're not perfect. Everybody makes mistakes. So sometimes we have conversations about, you know, you were making that person feel like a lesser person, but we don't want that. We want everybody to feel welcome. We want everyone to feel accepted. So what can we do? And we had that conversation today. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the students who come here, I've generally found very mature, very, very mature talking about just problems that they see in the current day. I remember the other day a a member was saying, why aren't we focusing on the current issues and talking about climate change and focusing on this and that? Uh, And they're all very, very much into social impact and all these things. And so they really exert it because now they have the opportunity to talk about it and not be like, well, that's not on the curriculum. Let's move on. But anyway, that's a, I digress. (laughs) But I did want to also mention the mentoring, going back to the mentoring. I really love this. And I don't think I ever had that in school. I think for some schools, they're starting to do that. But because Celebrate Learning is still small, uh, how many members on average do you have? We've got eight. Eight, yeah. And so it's very doable to have one or uh, an hour or so. Yep, 45 minutes. Yep. 45 minutes to mentor the student. So what actually happens in that mentoring? So at the beginning of a mentoring session, we have a bit of a conversation. Just, you know, first off, how are you going? Like, how's life? <laughs> True. Um, and that doesn't have to be, you know, how's your motivation for learning going? That can be, you know, is did your pet dog come back from the vet? Are they okay? Um, did that happen today? Uh, today we had a conversation that was kind of interesting. I don't think it was about pets, but it, it was about relatives having conflicts over an inheritance. And oh, it was very interesting. interesting. Okay. Um, but yeah, so we chat about life, check in, and also then ask, you know, have you been learning anything? So um, the person I was mentoring today has sometimes she'll, with her mom, they'll, they'll do a bit of money skills at the dinner table and I'll add that to the learning or extracurricular activities, sports, being in a drama performance, homeschool community um, drama performance. So write that down. What books have you been reading? All of that just for the record um, so that we can keep a track that they've been doing stuff at home because, you know, homeschooling does require the parents to, or, you know, the home and learning to happen. But then we also say, okay, for the next half hour, you're going to do something productive but you can pick whatever that means to you. So we've done voice acting over the top of an Avengers scene. One boy has built an entire tabletop board game using um, World of Warhammer um, miniatures. Mm -hmm. Um, We, this morning I was writing a short story where she would write a line and then I'd write a line. And we came up with this hilarious story about, time travel and and um doing various different things some people just want to write a resume get a job um learn math skills because they're going on to study maybe they're transitioning back into school maybe they're wanting to go on to TAFE or university uh so we do a variety of different things and some of them when they start will go in grumbling and say oh I've got mentoring you know I can't be out with everybody else playing games I have to go do mentoring 
But we actually had one of those people who was grumbling um, about five weeks in asked his mentor, oh, can we change our time to the morning so that I have more longer uninterrupted time? Because he's actually really valuing that mentoring time, that one-on-one connection to just chat about life and and connect over doing some painting. Mm -hmm. So um, it's a really great way to feel cared about, to feel like you matter, to go like – to develop in a skill and build confidence in a skill uh, as well. So it's a really, really big part of the program. So we are more than halfway through. This is a wholesome interlude where we'll just do a quick centre tour around Celebrate Learning and this will definitely help if you're on the YouTube version. But let's just do a quick tour actually. <laughs> so let's see. Thanks, Amy. So this is where Amy sometimes sits. But the most important thing, this is where they mentor, which I think is really, really great. So then let's keep moving, moving. So this is one of the rooms where they um in, in this room here, you can sort of see us here. This is where they do some classes, so with the electives art, money, skills, anime, they usually do it here. And then let's follow Amy. <laughs> cool table. Yeah. It's super good for developing friendships, social skills, just being able to de-stress and chill out. Mm, so needed. So needed. Thank you for existing. <laughs> okay. Now back on to the last part of the interview. We've talked somewhat about alternative schools, but there's still schools. You said you didn't want to be associated with schools. So why is that? And step us through that. So I could have started a school and said it was going to be the best school ever. Um, But you still have to um, comply with a lot of government restrictions. And here we have to comply with the Australian curriculum. So even the most alternative schools will still have to be ticking off that they did basic grammar, basic, you know, spelling. They did... um, a literature study on, you know, they did history from the 1800s. They did, you know, mm-hmm. angles and trigonometry. They ha- they still have certain things that they have to do. Um, but I just know that I've got one person here that was thinking of joining the circus. And that's a legitimate career. Some people actually do that for their job. So rather than just laughing and saying, oh, no, you know, get these skills because trigonometry is actually a really big deal. Well, if you're going to join the circus... I don't know anything about trapeze artists. Maybe they do need trigonometry, but there are people who say this isn't going to be relevant to my life. And it's probably going to be true. And when it changes, they can learn it then. So I wanted to pick a um, structure that actually respected them saying this is useless for my where I see myself going with my life. And homeschooling is the best most flexible way to do that because um, they just need to show progress in English, math, and one of the subject. Mm-hmm. So um, we don't have uniforms. Uh, we have first name basis on our um, teachers or mentors here and our, our volunteers as well. We don't have bells or homework or tests or assignments. We don't have a certificate at the end saying you graduated. There are ways to get that if you want to, but it will be through an online school or some kind of official accredited program, whereas what we are offering is the opportunity to relax. You're 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, and you just want a break from all of that curriculum and pressure to say, hurry up and get ready for the future and focus on right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I 
wanted to give, and the reason that I stay away from the word students, teachers, schools, all of that is not because I hate on schools, but because there are kids who have in their mind, I hate school, I'm not going to learn at school, school is a bad place for me. I want them to come here and think this is not school. It's okay to be happy here. It's okay to learn things and enjoy it here. Mm -hmm. Um, And we were chatting with a boy today who was saying uh, there's just no stress. He can, he doesn't feel stressed here. And his mom is constantly thanking me for providing a place where he doesn't have to live under chronic stress anymore. And regardless of what, what kind of alternative school you get, most of the time there will be some kind of assessment or quiz or, you know, project-based learning even that is essential and you have to do it. Mm-hmm. Too bad, so sad if you don't want to. Whereas here, um, if a parent says, oh, but they really need to learn math, then we will say, okay, well, you go and hire a math tutor at home because we focus on what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And that's just the space I want them to work in. Yeah, and... This is more the space for them to get that curiosity back, to get that lack, like to go against the triggering nature of school and to really just de-stress and de-escalate because a lot of the time that's what happens in schools. Once that happens, then being able to bring back, oh, you want to learn about maths? Let's actually, you know, either bring in a volunteer who can teach us algebra. Yeah. Like, if anything, bring a textbook in, sure. But if the students want that to happen, uh, and and the idea yeah of of unforced learning and learning based on your own needs and personalized personalized to that member in Celebrate Learning is so important. Yeah. There's there's also a really key word called de schooling, which is where we just take all the pressure off, even in mentoring. Like, okay, so you're just sitting at home chilling, you're not really engaging in very many classes, maybe you're doing something here and there, but actually we just want to respect that you need time to recover from how stressed you've been for so long um, and to get to a point once you've been through the de-schooling process, which is when you'll get your friends and neighbors saying, oh, they never do anything, you know, what are they doing with their life? What a waste of time. But if you just respect that and trust that process then eventually, especially here where everybody else is so excited to be learning, eventually they'll be like, why is everybody, what's going on over there? Like, what, what are they doing? And, you know, then they can, once they've recovered from that stress, they can start to get engaged again. So that de-schooling process is really important. For any of you interested in de-schooling or unschooling, which is essentially student-led learning, which removes the strict curriculums of school, then check out episode 14 with Blake Bowles, who is a really, really well-known advocate who's published a lot of books on the topic and hosts the Off-Trail Learning podcast. And it's just been incredible because I've, again, in terms of my observations of what the students are doing, because, yeah, when there's a class writing, some students will just sit on the side and do what they prefer to in that moment in time and some students projects have just been ridiculously intricate and complicated and I asked them oh when when did you do that and they're like oh well I did it last night in my spare time I think you're doing so much work in your spare time so for example there's this one girl who um, I I remember sitting in on the mentoring who's writing a book (laughs) and it's the fact that she keeps re-editing and re-editing and that's a whole nother thing but the fact that she's writing chapters, the fact that she's so invested in this one thing, a book is a heavy thing. And that's obviously inc- including a lot of literacy. It's including a lot of um, 
storytelling in your head to paper to, you know, then sharing it to you and everything, but then also drawing a lot and doing the things that she wants to do and she's therefore doing more than what's expected if you were yeah. to say a task in a classroom, like, oh, hey, write, an, write a story or a plot about this. I won't say for all, but at least for my situation, I won't go ahead and write more than what's expected of me. I'll just stop at what you said I should do. Yeah. The yeah. amount of – like, what other examples do you have of these students? Yeah, well, the boy that has been designing a board game. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so he will go home and type up, you know, the, the rules and the cards for all of the different characters and their stats, and he'll that's print them crazy. out and bring them in so that we can play his board game. And he's so excited about it, and he will often at home be painting miniatures – and um, we've gotten him to create a Facebook page so that when he is ready to launch a business <laughs> selling these miniature figures that he's painted, that, you know, we're going to help him to follow that entrepreneurship journey. Um, and, yeah, so there's there's some amazing things, especially creative, entrepreneurial, um, like writing, art, graphic design, animation. A lot of that happens at home. One of the boys here is amazing at the piano mm-hmm. and will spend – he came in one day, oh, yeah, I spent four hours playing the piano yesterday. What? Just in his free time, just, you know, Jeez. the same – you know, really wanting to perfect this one song. So because these are people and, – and some parents will say, oh, well, my kid's not that motivated. They won't fit in there. But if you let them tinker – and and have that freedom and that time to read lots of books or watch lots of animations or play lots of board games, then they might catch that this is the thing that I really love to do and they will become motivated and passionate about something. And because they're dedicating so much time to that one thing, they will become so good at it that the things that they're not as good at, they they can they can just have the bare minimum to get by through life because they've found their niche. Yeah. Basically, people are thinking, like you said before, the academics, you know, it's about the maths and the sciences. And when will they learn? Because maths and science are really important, which they are if it's relevant to the thing that you want to do in the future. And I totally agree with the idea that, first of all, what do you even want to do? Maybe that's the first thing to ask is knowing yourself on a deeper level instead of saying, hey, these are the things that you need to learn for this abstract idea called uni to then get into a potentially profession that you didn't really consider and really reflect over. So right after this, I had the biggest brain fart. That you're, my God, I can't (laughs) English. Ah! (laughs) It's been a big day. Anyway, brain fart aside, we moved on to the topic, what are the pathways for students beyond Celebrate Learning? So can they still return to traditional education if they want to? So one pathway is that they decide at some point, actually, I just want to go back to school. Um, We've had some people coming from really intense bullying situations where they couldn't face going to school because life there sucked. Um, They will come here, build confidence, make friends, and then say, okay, I'm ready to go back to school and my football team and whatever. (laughs) Football, sure. I mean, that does exist in schools. But um, (laughs) So they might do some tutoring or different things to help them catch up Mm -hmm. and if they're up to grade 11 and 12 then there's alternatives like the TAFE senior schools program where they can go and do three days a week in a really flexible similar to this but school to to transition that back 
and, you know, get their grade 12 certificate so they can go that pathway. Uh, they can also decide that they want to get their senior school certificate, but they don't want to go to school so they can get tutoring to just do the exams so that they can get that or do online school or do uh, those. So the one pathway is to go back to school and catch up, finish where everybody else was. Have you had that before? I, I haven't had where they've gotten to graduation because we've only launched at the beginning of 2020. Um, but I have had a couple that have chosen, I want to go back to school mm-hmm. for whatever reason, wanting to... Um, become a pilot and get to grade Fair. 12 so you can do it free through the Navy. Um, Navy? Air Force? Um, Where are we? So uh, then we have ones who are entrepreneurs. I want to be a famous YouTuber, which often gets laughed off, but, but we, we have some really talented people here who are really interesting that, you know, we don't want to crush that dream and, and say, well, you know, give it a go. Um, or want to be a concert pianist, I want to sell miniatures on Facebook or whatever that is. So we have the entrepreneurship route where you're ready to go and do your own thing. So let's get you the skills to start doing that right now, even while you're still here. Um, or we've got people that are just wanting to get a job. Uh, so we can help them write a resume, get a part-time job. We can um, direct them to the Get Set for Work program where they can get a cert to in retail or something like that to go into the um, workforce. If they want to get into university, first point of call is how about TAFE? Try a one year, you know, 12 months, maybe even one day a week TAFE at school program, or, you know, you can go full time and just get a qualification that will give you a low level job. See if you like that career and then commit to uni and you'll have that little stepping stone to say, I've got a cert four or I've got a diploma and take some credits off uni and get into uni that way. Um, but knowing that you actually like that career instead yeah. of just being like, oh, end of grade 12, I guess I'll go commit to my four-year degree. Why have you just explained <laughs> my life? Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I'll just spend a lot of hex debt yeah. on this thing and then it'll work out. Yeah. <laughs> Which um, it has, I guess, but I wasn't deliberate going into it. Yeah, but there's just so much pressure on 17-year-olds to yeah. write down what they're going to do for the rest of their life, which is insane because – who knows what jobs are going to exist in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, we also just have people that they're not ready. They might be 15, 16 year olds, but they're not ready to make that call. They are still de-schooling, de-stressing, drawing, reading. They might have an interest like uh, volunteering with animals, mm-hmm. but they're not ready to go and have the pressure of a boss um, because they're still working on that personal confidence and, waking up in the morning and getting through the day and so we just say that's cool let's just keep carrying you through and you know help you as far as we can and we can give parents strategies there's lots of programs out there for if they do get to 17 18 and they still need help we can refer them to that as well so so many different unique individuals come um we do have eight at the moment but we've had quite a lot through since the beginning of last year and, yeah, lots of different pathways, lots of different interests, lots of different directions to go. Right. I guess because Celebrate Learning is such an alternative to traditional schools, though you want to see a change happen in traditional schools anyway, even though it's not that's not your niche anymore, like yep. targeting those students there. But what would you like to see in traditional schools, if anything, if they could change something? I mean, it comes back to that whole trust and choice thing. Um even if it's at the most basic level, when I was working in school, if you were a really naughty kid or you were chucking a tantrum, you were crying, then you could go and opt out and have a cool down session 
with the guidance counselor to, you know, play on your iPad and just chill out for an hour. But you had to be like really high maintenance to be allowed to do that. Why can't, you know, the kid that's doing all the right things, but is just having a really bad day, can they not just opt out and not feel ashamed? Can they, you know, at, at lunchtime, the, the number of restrictions that we have on what kids can and cannot do. I, I love extracurricular activities and, and art clubs and music clubs and anime clubs and all these kind of things happening. Just trusting that that actually matters, that that doesn't have to be the side hobby on tagged onto school, but that might be the thing that's really important. Maybe they ran around on the overall day and they're puffed out and then they come into math class and their brain can't function because they've been running on the oval mm-hmm. and actually respect, well, you know, running on the oval was important. Like, you know, just have some time out and maybe we'll do math later. But giving young people some say over what they do and when they do it, yeah, that is the biggest thing. And there are alternative schools that are on that track. Like I was saying Montessori before, they, they've got the do it when you want to. They've got that bit down pat. Um, the next step is, you know, what you want to do. And it would be amazing to see what people can achieve if they were given the time. I think time is a major thing. Yeah. Given the time to think and then actually implement whatever they end up thinking yeah. about, um, I think is really important. And basically just to summarize or to end on a note, what are your hopes for Celebrate Learning as well? What are the next steps that you're trying to achieve? So we currently have uh, two electives a day and one running at a particular time and you can opt in or you can opt out. But I would love to get to the point when we have more kids, maybe a group of 20, 30, um, to have multiple electives running so that your elective is still a small group and you're still hanging out with a small group, but you have more people who are interested in that thing. Um, so for example, we've had, um, like a science class that maybe somebody really wants to be a nurse and they're really into biology, but nobody else is. So at the moment we just do that with mentoring, but it would be great to have, be able to run that alongside sport or something that they didn't want to do and have, you know, multiple people in each elective just to give more of that choice. Being able to see that firsthand is also incredible because the students that the members that I'm talking to are saying exactly, you know, I'm, I actually feel like I'm part of something, but also just respected for making choices and not having to do this and to associate learning as a fun thing to do. So it's just really incredible. And also just thank you so much for existing as well. <laughs> and thank you for creating Celebrate Learning. And I cannot wait to see what comes from it. Thank you. It's been great. Thanks. <laughs> So I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find Amy at CelebrateLearning.net or on her Celebrate Learning Facebook page. So again, a huge, huge thank you to Amy for jumping on and for hosting me in Brisbane. It was just absolutely awesome. And yeah, again, super grateful. So I will see you all next week. Bye.